Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise God, praise God. Well, I'm going to... Um, move in a little bit of a different direction tonight than I have been, but it's actually a, a next step in the teaching that we've been focused on and being word governed. And tonight we're going to talk about faith comes. And I want to look again at uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. You know what? Switch over to Hebrews 11. Let's start with Hebrews 11. We'll, we'll just... We'll get, we'll get there. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I appreciate the Knox translation. The Knox translation says, what is faith? It is that which gives substance. I like that. It gives substance. What is faith? It is that which gives substance to our hopes, which convinces us of things we cannot see. So faith gives substance to things that you are hoping for. Those hopes are built by the Word as well. The Word draws that image. It conveys or transmits that image of the will of God into your heart so that you can hope against natural hope, against things that are evidenced in the natural. That's why Abraham believed in hope. Against hope, he believed in hope. He took faith and put it to work against uh, on his the hope that God had provided in the instruction, so shall your seed be. In that declaration, he got an inner image transmitted, a hope transmitted, so shall my seed be, talking about the stars in the sky, the sands on the desert floor. He says, so shall my seed be, so shall my seed be. He has an inner image of what God has said, but he has no natural evidence. He has no physical evidence. His wife has never been able, not even in her younger years. Now she's past the age of childbearing, so there was no hope in the natural. There was nothing in the natural circumstance that provided any spark of hope, any indication that there was a chance that it would turn. He was beyond the age of childbearing. She was beyond the age of childbearing. She had never been, even in her younger years, capable of having a child. There was nothing natural. So there was a, a, a negative evidence that was trying to transmit an image of despair or negative hope or we could say hopelessness 
But he came against that with the hope that came out of so shall your seed be. And it built a picture. If you don't have the picture, it's, you can't, you're, you, that is the first step. Don't move beyond that. If you can't see it, stay there with the word. Stay with the word till you can see it. Brother Hagen said, if you can't see with your, yourself with the answer, the word has departed from before your eyes. If you can't see yourself with the answer, the word has departed from before your eyes because it's the word of God that transmits the image of that promised thing for you to give you a Bible hope, to give you a Bible hope. And if you have a Bible hope, faith has something to give substance to. If there is no Bible hope, faith does not have anything to give substance to. So I like to utilize the idea that hope works like a blueprint. A blueprint will show you details of where the building, different aspects of the building will be, where the bay window is going to be, where the garage door is going to be, where the kitchen pantry is going to be. You can look at the blueprint and you can see an image, but you can't live in a blueprint, right? Faith gathers all the resources. Faith looks at that blueprint and says, we're going to need this much plywood. We're going to need this much two-by-fours. We're going to need this much drywall. We're going to need this much. It has to have the blueprint to know what resources together, and then it will give substance to the things that you're hoping for. Hallelujah. Without the hope... Faith can't build because it has nothing to give substance to. So there has to be, and hope in the Bible definition means confident, earnest expectation. If we're not expecting anything, if we're not expecting, then that's where we need to work. If there's not a confident expectation that this is, this is, how it's, this is the direction I'm going in, think about Dodie Osteen. Dodie Osteen was told by her doctors, you have three weeks to live. There is absolutely no treatment we can give you to help you. You have cancer that is so far gone. You've got three weeks. Go home and enjoy the rest of your time with your family. Well, she's alive and well today. (laughs) This was years and years and years ago. But they gave her no hope. But she went home and she said to her husband, you are the head of my home. You are the priest over this household. You lay your hands on me, and I believe I will live and not die. And he laid hands on her, and no symptoms changed. She didn't feel better. She still had all of the symptoms. As a matter of fact, I heard uh, from a conversation that she had with somebody that it took three years before all the symptoms completely left. I think that's helpful. Because she had it, she never let go of it. She never said, I don't have it because the symptoms are still here. She said, I have it. And she started in the direction of of that expectation of the manifestation. And while she went, the faith began to give substance. And little by little, those symptoms changed and changed and changed until she received her full manifestation of healing. Hallelujah. But it started with an expectation. And there was no 
evidence that made her expect that things were different. It was not because after her husband laid hands on her, she felt better, and that's how she knew that it was better. It was because she knew hands have been laid on me. It doesn't matter how I feel to believe that I am well and I will not die. I mean, she had to have an expectation. And she says in her testimony, you can read her book, Healed of Cancer, she said that there were days that she would get up and crawl through the hallway to get the furniture polish out of the hallway closet. She had no energy, so she's on her hands and knees crawling around, dusting her furniture because she was moving in the direction of her expectation. Why would I lay in bed? Her daughter said, I recently saw them in an interview, and her daughter said, you know, after they sent my mom home to die, I expected my, you know, she was still in high school, and her mom had always got up and made her breakfast and packed her lunch. She said, I expected mom to be in bed, but I come in and my breakfast is ready and my lunch is packed, and I think, mom, what are you doing? You should be in bed. She said, why would I be in bed? Why would I be in bed? What was her expectation? Now, if she was expecting to stay in that condition or to get worse in that condition, she would have stayed in bed. But she was expecting to go on with her life and live her life and and succeed and, and prevail over that cancer. And she had no natural evidence. But her expectation had her moving in a direction that faith could give substance to. Hallelujah. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, or faith gives substance to things that we hope for. The Moffat translation says, Now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for. Faith means we are confident, confident of what we hope for. So here is... Here is an indicator. You can listen to your own words and your own voice to determine whether you're in faith or not. If you are asked a question and you say to someone, I hope so. Whoa, we're in trouble. No, that's not going to work. That despair in the voice is an indicator. What I need to hear is confidence. What I need to, and I don't want to just fake some confidence. Please don't fake confidence. Please don't, please don't say all the right things and make them sound all the right way and, and, and deceive yourself into thinking I'm in faith because I'm, 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 I'm faking it. No, get in the word until the confidence just comes out of you. This is not something we're trying to make it sound away or act away. We're, we want the word to be the motivation for that confidence. We want the word to convince us. So again, if, if you don't see yourself with it or if you don't have the confidence, then the word is what we need to put back in front of our eyes until we get confident. So we're not trying to pretend that we're confident or try to sound like we're confident or act like we're confident. We want the word to convince us until it is a natural confidence that's coming as a result of I'm so established on the word I know. I know that I know that I know that I know that I shall not die but live. 
I'm not trying to fake it, not trying to sound positive. I am so convinced that God cannot lie, that by his stripes I am healed, that he was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities, and by his wounds I am healed. I'm so convinced that God is the Lord that healeth me. He is my great physician, Jehovah Rapha. I have received him not only as Savior, not only as Redeemer, but I have received him as my healer. So I am well in Jesus' name. It's not something that we want to just say it with confidence. We want to have that assurance coming up in our heart because it's faith-filled words that move mountains. Not just words that move mountains, not just faith that moves mountains. Faith-filled words move mountains. If you believe in your heart and speak, And say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that what you say will come to pass. You will have whatsoever things you say. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. Hallelujah. It's faith-filled words. It's words that are not trying to sound like faith, but are actually hollow, but instead it is words that actually contain confidence, contain a spiritual force of faith. That's what's going to give substance to the things that we hope for. So I quoted it, but let's uh, uh, identify one thing in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. I quoted verse 23 and 24, but Jesus in his... In in context of this teaching, and this is the greatest expository teaching on faith that you can find in the Bible because Jesus taught it. (laughs) Jesus taught us how faith works, right? But notice what preceded this teaching. Let's look first of all at chapter 11, verses 12. Through 14. On the morrow, when they were come to Bethany, from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if by chance, haply he might find anything thereon, if he might happen to find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not. And Jesus answered, And said unto it. Well, it said something to him by the presence of the leaves. The leaves told him there was fruit on it because an accurate fig tree, if there are leaves, it is an indicator there is fruit. But this tree, he came to it and it spoke one thing, but it it didn't have the, the evidence to back it up. And so Jesus answered the tree. And said unto the tree, Jesus said to the tree, he spoke to a tree. Can you imagine what his disciples thought? He's talking to the tree. He's, the tree doesn't have, it looked like it had fruit. We came to it, there's no fruit on it. And now he's talking to the tree. And he said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So we know that what preceded this teaching was the fact that he spoke 
to a tree. And not only that he spoke to it, but the next day when they return, in verse 20, it says, In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So it's not just the fact, I mean, they might have gone on their way if they would have just said, Yep, Jesus has been talking to a tree. And then they come back the next day and nothing had happened. But now they see it's exactly what Jesus said. We have the result that Jesus spoke to the tree and it obeyed him. Jesus spoke to the tree and it has come to pass exactly what he said to this tree. And they were astonished. They were surprised. Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. They were surprised. It was something that caught Peter's attention. It was something that he thought was strange. He he thought it worthy of mention. Hey, hey, look, look, Lord. You said for it to be cursed that no man would eat fruit of you forever and it has dried up from the root. What you said went right to the root of that problem. Went right to the root of that issue. I'm surprised. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. One translation says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. So now Jesus is teaching them this is the operation of faith that God uses and God has provided in your life. You can operate the God kind of faith. I used faith on that issue. I used faith on that issue of lack. I used faith on that area that was not productive. And you can use faith. Have faith. So it's an instruction. And the reason why we can go even to the point of saying we know he's telling us not just trust in God, not just believe in God, but operate the faith of God because in the next two verses he tells us how to operate the faith of God. So that's how an indication for us to know that verse 22 is telling us use the God kind of faith, operate the God kind of faith, pull out the instrument of God's faith and use on those situations in your life. And this is, this is how to operate it. If any man believe in his heart, whosoever will will believe in his heart, uh, say to this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart. Now he's explaining how to have the God kind of faith. So he says, operate God's faith. Use God's faith. What does God do when he operates faith? Well, we know, according to Hebrews 11.3, that God used faith to create the worlds. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed. Or we understand that it was through faith that the worlds were framed by the word of God. When God spoke those words, he was using faith. God is a faith God. He operates by faith principles. In order to bring to pass our redemption, he spoke Jesus into existence. And Jesus fulfilled everything that God had spoken about him because he's the Word made flesh. So God uses faith on a regular basis. He he operates and designs things through faith, by faith, and he gave us his faith to operate in our lives. And he says, 
Have the God kind of faith. Use the God kind of faith. Operate the God kind of faith. Hallelujah. So Hebrews 11.3 in the Weiss translation. Kenneth E. Weiss translations. W-E-S-T. Says the material universe and the God appointed ages of time were equipped and fitted by God's word. So by faith, the material universe was equipped and fitted by God's word. So God used faith. The application is faith. Word, His word is the building blocks in the application of faith. God used His word and through the operation of faith, the words were the building blocks. So if we look back at, at Mark 11, go back to Mark 11, and in verse 23, there are four words for the word say. I'm going to point them out. Let's point them out. The first one is Jesus saying unto them, Verily I say unto you. Circle that one. The second one is, Therefore, that whosoever shall say. Circle that word say. Unto this mountain be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says, circle that word say, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Circle that one. We found four words. The words say four times. And... There are three different words used here amongst those four. The first word in verse 23 when Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, it is the same as verse 3, the, the last one. He will have whatsoever he saith. So, so let's think about this. It is the word that means a systemized set discourse Building blocks, Lego. That's the word used. It's, it's the word Lego. Anybody have children or grandchildren with Legos? What do those Legos do? Other than get on the floor and you step on them in the middle of the night when you're trying to go get a glass of water. Yes, ouch. Amen. But those Legos, you put them together, they are building blocks. And so Jesus said, I'm going I'm to I'm give you a systemized set discourse. I am going to give you a diagram. I'm going to give you the building blocks. Therefore, I, I say unto you, I Lego to you, I give you the building blocks. That's what, this is what he, that first word means. Whosoever shall, this is a different word. This is not the same word that he just used. This is a word that means to command with authority. I say, I lego to you. I give you a building blocks. I give you a systemized set discourse or a diagram. Who will ever, whosoever shall command with authority. Whosoever shall command with authority. Unto this mountain be thou removed, be cast into the sea. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he... That goes back to the 
Lego, discourse, building block, whatsoever he will set forth as the discourse, the diagram, whatever he will diagram, whatever he will build with his Legos, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he speaks out boldly. Different word. Whatever he speaks out boldly using his voice. Now, let's go through with those definitions and read it that way. For verily I give you a diagram that whosoever shall command with authority to this mountain be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he, uh, believe that those things which he sets forth as a diagram shall come to pass. He will have whatever he speaks out boldly using his voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when they said to him, Lord, look what happened. He said, if you, I said a discourse. I said a diagram. I gave that tree a diagram of its future. And it, I spoke with authority. And whatever I say, whatever I diagram, whatever I set forth as the direction and the building blocks or the Legos, that's what I have. I will have whatever I speak out boldly using my voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what God did in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we have a record of the words God used to create the world. We have a record of how God released his faith. Genesis chapter 1 shows us the, the story of how God uses his faith. He said, light be, firmament be, heavens you be here, earth and sun you be here, moon you be here. He gave every part of the universe a diagram of how it was to operate. Light is still operating by the diagram God gave it, the building blocks, the Legos that God established it to operate within, the parameters. God established those parameters with His Word. And then He gave us His Word so that we could establish the parameters of our life, so that we could establish how the directions of things are to go in our life. So understanding this, I want to talk about uh, um, the operation of faith in applying God's power. So we see that God uses words to diagram how His power is going to operate. Could we say that? We've looked at a few different things. Let's go to Romans 1 now. That was my introduction, so that means i got to hurry. <laughs> Woo! Have mercy. Romans 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel is the preached word, right? It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So the gospel, the word... The gospel, the good news of Christ, the word, 
is the power of God unto salvation. In our, some of our previous teachings in this last series, we talked about the fact that there was a man named Cornelius and an angel appeared to him and he said to him, go ask for Peter to come to you and he will tell you the words whereby you and your family shall be saved. Words, spoken words that brought them new birth, that brought them salvation in Christ Jesus, that made them born again. Amen? And while Peter was preaching, they were born again and received the Holy Ghost with the evidence and speaking in other tongues while he was preaching the gospel. So the preached word produces salvation. Then we've also looked at another example of a man in the book of Acts who was lame and had always, from his mother's womb, never been able to walk. But Paul was preaching. And as Paul was preaching, Paul looked at the man and recognized, he perceived that this man has faith to be healed. Well, he didn't, he didn't have faith to be healed till the word came. But as the word was being preached, the word gave him faith to be healed. By the preached word, this man who had never in his life walked a day, this man was healed without hands laid on him, without anointing, without a miracle, without a, a I was talking about a working of miracles as a gift of the Spirit, without a, a working of a, a gift of healing. So there wasn't supernatural manifestation in that direction, but it was still the power of God, right? It was still the power of God. That man was healed. How? The word was preached to him. The word was preached to him. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. Now in Hebrews chapter 4, I have two verses I want to look at. Hebrews chapter 4, let's work first of all with verse 12. Because again, it's the word. The word of God is one of the ways he transmits his power. He calls it the word of his power. So the word of God is quick and powerful. And I want to look a little bit at the amplified right there. Quick and powerful quick and powerful, it is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. The Word of God is alive. The Word, so we're not just talking about the, the black and white ink on the, the black ink on the white paper, are we? We're talking about this Word and, and we give it breath when we put it in our mouth. We, we give it breath. It's alive. The word of God, the word that God speaks. Let's, let's put, put it that. I like that. The word that God speaks. So the written word is the Greek word logos. And the, the spoken word is the word rhema. So the rhema is talking about that spoken word. Well, we have the written word 
to help us know what to say. We put it in our mouth and it becomes a rhema. Or God speaks it to us by His Spirit and it becomes a rhema. Amen? Or it's preached to us from the pulpit and it becomes a rhema. When it becomes alive to us. When it becomes alive to us. So the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. God doesn't own an empty word. You cannot find a word of God that is lacking ability. You can't find a word of God that is is void of power. There is none. It does not exist. Every word that God has ever spoken still has the same supply of power in it because it's eternal. Eternal things never diminish in power, never diminish in value, never diminish and never grow old or worn out. So even though thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have have received life from John 3.16, John 3.16 has not worn out. John 3.16 has not grown weak in its ability. If every person on the face of the planet put their faith in 1 Peter 2.24, at the very same moment, all across the planet, every human being on the planet said, I believe that by His stripes I am healed. God is not going to have a power shortage and a shutdown and say, 1 Peter 2.24 just went offline. Help! Help! It just went offline because everybody used it at the same time and now it's void of power. No, it's not going to diminish it's not going to grow weak. It's not going to cause any, any power drain in heaven for, for the, everybody to access the power that's in that verse because every word of God is full, full. It's a container that's full. Words are containers. Words are containers. God uses His word to contain His power. He calls it the word of His power. He, Hebrews chapter 1, He is upholding and sustaining all things, not by the power of His word, but by the word of His power. If I said the power of His word, if I said the power in my leg versus the power in my bicep, I'm, I'm identifying there's power in both. And so you're saying, well, which power are you going to use? Are you going to use the power in your leg? Are you going to use the power in your bicep? No, he didn't say the power of his word. He said the word of his power. The word is the container for his power. When God got ready to create, he didn't, he, he used his word. Hallelujah. And Jesus is the word. So when it says God God, the, when it says in Ephesians chapter 3 that we might know what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us, that exceeding greatness of His power towards us which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Hallelujah. He's talking about that, that word of that, that released the resurrection power into hell and made Jesus come to life and raised him from that spiritual death that he received for me and brought him to new life. And because he did that, I can be brought out of spiritual death. And I was. When I believed on him, he raised me out of spiritual death. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm no longer spiritually dead. 
but I'm alive unto God. I'm born again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ because I believed on Him and He raised me and He seated me together with Him in heavenly places. That's the greatness of His power and God did all that through His Word. He did it through His Word. He did it, and when it says the blood of the covenant, he, when it says in Hebrews chapter 13, it says um, that He brought again our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So there's the Word involved with the blood. Because when you see the working of the Word, you'll see the application of the blood. Amen? So, but the word is the container that God uses to transmit his power. So if you want God's power to work in your family members, you need to send the word. You need to speak the word, not necessarily to their face, if God directs you to say something to them, but the greatest applications are done in your prayer time. Done in our prayer time as we speak the word over people. If we want the, the power of God to have its manifestation in our finances, we, it's not going to be applied without the application of the Word. We need, to, we need the Word. We need to do what God did when He applied faith, and we need a systemized set discourse over our finances with the Word. Amen? So this, this power of God is available in His Word. Now I'm back at Hebrews 4 because I want to back up and I want to look at verse 2. Hebrews 4, 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Who is them that the text is talking about? It's talking about the children of Israel who came out of Egypt, but they could not enter into the promised land that God meant for them and wanted for them to enter into because of their unbelief. So the previous verses were telling us that we need to take heed, that we need to beware so that we don't, uh, we don't hear a promise and have a heart of unbelief and neglect to enter into the fullness of that promise because we won't believe God. That's what the warning is there in that previous verse. And it says, For unto us was the gospel preached. So what happened when the gospel was preached to Cornelius and his family? They received salvation, didn't they? They received what they needed in that moment, which was the new birth. When the gospel was preached to that man uh, through the apostle Paul, he received healing. That's what he needed. He was healed as the gospel was preached. Hallelujah. And so it says the gospel was preached to us as well as unto them but the word preached did not profit them. Now we get the benefit of their mistake. We get the benefit of, of learning from their mistake. We don't have to make this same mistake that they made because we can learn from their mistake and not have to experience it. The word preached, the word was preached to them. God gave them a word to stand on and only two stood on it. Only two out of all of the multitude of people God had brought out of the, the nation of Egypt, only Joshua and Caleb believed God. Only two. And guess what? They got to go in. They received it. 
Why? Because they mixed faith with the word that was preached to them. But the others could not enter in because of their unbelief. Verse 19 of chapter 3 says. And so now it's telling us what we can do to avoid that. It says they did, it says the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. Not being, so mixing with faith is the key that we want to include in our applications. Mixing with faith. The word was preached, but there was no mixing with faith. So the mixing with faith is what will cause the word to profit us. Every word of God is full of power. Remember the parable of the sower. The word was the seed in every ground. It was not the word's fault that it did not produce in the wayside soil. It was not a fault of the word. It was not a failure of the word that it did not produce in the thorny ground or the stony ground. It wasn't the word that failed. That all of the word in the stony ground had the power to produce in their life. All of the word on the wayside soil, had the, it was, the word had the power to produce because it was God's word. But it was the soil that would not hold the word and mix faith with the word until the word brought forth a harvest. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, then the harvest, right? So it did not continue with the word. The, the good ground heard the word just like every other type of soil heard it. But it said the good ground heard it and received it. And that word receive means to take into possession, to, to bring into possession. It's a word that, that is a, a word that describes how the football team jumps on the football that gets fumbled on the field. They want it in their possession, I'm telling you. They want to bring that ball into their possession. They want to come when they peel all the players off the pileup. They want to be the team that has possession of the ball. And so they'll fight for it. They will jump on it from, from feet away. They will jump with all of their force. They will get in that, that pile up and fight for it and cling to it. And their other ones are grip, grappling for it, right? Because they want it in their possession. That's the difference. So we hear it and then we grab it and we say, uh uh-uh, nobody's taking this from me. This is my promise. This belongs to me. First Peter 2.24 is for me. It is mine. By his stripes, I am healed. It is I'm personal possession right here. When you pull me out of the, the pile up, you're gonna find I'm holding that promise. That is my promise. It belongs to me. That's the ground that brings forth. So the word, though, was capable in every soil of the parable of the sower, but the soil wasn't capable of bringing forth. So the power of God in His word, every word of God, the word of God is alive and active, energizing, effective, but it has to be received. They did not mix the word that was preached with faith. How do you mix it with faith? Well, Jesus told us, you believe in your heart and you speak. You believe in your heart and you refuse doubt about it. If doubt comes, you refuse to let it in. You, you maintain that believing and speaking. And you know, as I've studied over the years, do you know what I see about Mark 11, 23 and 24? It's telling you the, the, the uh, 
This is what can happen as you become skilled with faith. There are, that's why he says there are all these different elements. You've got to keep your heart from doubting. You've got to be able to believe that the things you say will come to pass. You know, that took me a while. That did not just happen one day. Oh, well, I just believe everything I say is going to come to pass. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't. Because <laughs> I was saying a lot of things I did not want to have in my life. And as the Lord began to identify, do you want that? Or my husband would say, do you want me to agree with that? I would say, no, I don't want you to agree with that. Stop. <laughs> I mean, you, you live with a faith husband or wife. You're going to have their, if that you, you want the power of agreement, but you want what you're agreeing with to be what you want, right? So, so don't get offended <laughs> if they point out to you something that comes out of your mouth that's not the, the faith declaration. Amen? So the Word of God must be mixed with faith in them that hear. Do you see that in that phrase? In them that heard it. In them that heard it. So the hearing is not the end all. The hearing is, is, is a, a major portion of it. The saying is a major portion of it. But there has to be these other elements of guarding my heart, believing those things that I say will come to pass. It says, in them that heard it. Mixed with faith, in them that heard it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at James chapter 1, and we'll, we'll close up here because I... I don't have time to quite go the other direction that I wanted to be able to reach because my introduction. <laughs> but you know, you got to lay the groundwork. You can't just jump in there if you're not ready and build the third floor until you get the first and the second one laid, right? James chapter 1. Let's look at verse 5. If any of you lack... Wisdom, this is a principle that will work if you lack other things as well. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. It shall be given to him. If you ask, it shall be given. If you ask, it shall be given. Notice then it says, but let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. No thing wavering. That takes practice. That takes practice. So as we are, are in this walk of faith, in this lifestyle of faith, in this recognizing that the just shall live by faith, Faith is the victory that overcomes. I've got to recognize there are things that I'm going to be becoming more skilled in on a daily basis as I learn to operate the process of faith. It's not something that you just become a professional uh, faither overnight. There's a, a, a skill of casting down imaginations, guarding my heart, keeping my mouth right. There's a skill 
in walking in the Spirit, a skill in the operation of faith. And this is part of it. No thing wavering. No thing wavering. Ask in faith and then stay in faith. Continue in faith. Don't waver. Don't waver because he that wavers is like a wave of the sea. He that wavers, so the word waver, he's now telling us it's just like what it sounds like. The waverer is like a wave of the sea. There's no foundation on a wave. There's no stability in a wave. That wave is not going to be there in five minutes. You can see it one minute and it's going to move and it's going to change and it's going to move to a different address. But then it's not going to have the same stability. A person who wavers is constantly shifting and constantly changing. And I don't know if God's going to and I don't know if he will. But praise God, I'm going to stand in faith, but it feels like it's not happening. But, but I'm going to stand on the word, but it just feels like that I'm losing ground here. And, and so that back and forth causes an inability to receive from God. It's not God. God wants that person to receive. He wants that person to receive. But he can't get it to them if they're constantly shifting their stand. It can't be delivered because that, that delivery is going to come and they're going to already move to another place. So he says, he that wavers is like a wave of the sea moved by the wind, tossed by the wind. Moved by the circumstance, tossed by the circumstance. Do you see why this takes practice? Because when circumstances come, the, the natural reaction, you have to override it and say, no, I'm not going to act that way. I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to be bothered by that phone call. I'm not going to enter into fear about that. I'm not going to let my mind stay on it either. I'm not going to rehearse in my mind all of the different natural things that I could have done to avoid that. or No, no, I need to stay in faith about that. And so I can't waver. I can't be tossed. I can't be moved by the circumstance. If you're going to stand on the Word, you can't be moved by the circumstance. If you're going to stand in a place of faith and you're going to maintain that position of faith and that's the instruction that is given to us throughout the New Testament hold fast your confession of faith why does the Bible tell us to hold fast because circumstances are coming to move you off of it but moving you off of it is the devil's trick to get it out from your grasp if you'll stand your ground you'll see the victory if you'll maintain your position of faith and, and say, I shall not be moved. I am like the tree planted by the rivers of living water. I shall not be moved. I am meditating on the word day and night. The word is my strong tower. The word is my root system. I'm not moving away from it. Amen? If you'll stand your ground, you'll receive that victory. But people who move away because of the circumstance or because of the situation and allow it to change their mind and allow it to change their attitude and their perception and their behavior. You know, there are things that, that when the enemy brings a negative circumstance, he brings the feelings that come with it. Have you ever experienced an attack and you recognized 
that there was an there was the enemy energized all of the negative things that come with it and you can say well I just feel I believe that but that doesn't make it more real that doesn't make it more real just because a person feels it doesn't make it more real amen when when you think about in Matthew chapter 7 where the uh, storm that came against the two houses. Let's look at it. Matthew 7, 24. It doesn't make it more real or more right for it to be in your life. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you can't move it. Just because you're experiencing the emotions of it doesn't mean you have to succumb to them. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings, the word, these sayings of mine, and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. The house felt the storm. The house felt the storm. It was real. The floods came. The winds blew. They could be felt, they could be heard. But that didn't mean they'd lost the victory. It didn't mean they'd lost the victory. And just because you feel the attack, just because there are symptoms of the attack, just because there are things going on and the enemy is trying to bring all of the sadness that could come with it or the worry that could come with it or the despair that could come with it, you are not obligated to despair ever. You are not obligated to worry ever. You are not obligated to leave your position of peace ever. You can be in a position of peace because you are in Christ and Christ is in you and you have your mind stayed on Him. He is able to keep you. But if you lose your peace, if you move from that position of peace and you agree with what you feel, then you put yourself in a more difficult position for God to work in that, in that place. If we'll stay on the Word and we'll stay in Christ and we'll stay in that place of peace and we'll cast down those imaginations and we'll rejoice in the Lord even though we don't feel like rejoicing, even though there's no evidence that I should be rejoicing right now. I don't rejoice because of what I see or what I feel. I rejoice in Him. He is the, the, the object of my joy. And because Jesus never changes and His Word to me never changes, my rejoicing should never change. His Word hasn't changed. His promise hasn't changed. His redemption hasn't changed. So why should my rejoicing change? So that's how we rejoice in the midst of adversity and joy is the bucket that will draw water out of the wells of your salvation. If you want to rescue... Put your, joy, put your garments of praise on. Put your joy clothes on. And just begin to rejoice because that's how you're going to cause that situation to lose its power and you're going to gain strength in the midst of it. Hallelujah. So just because those feelings come does not mean you have to participate with them. 
You are a word-governed person. And faith has come because the word was heard. And you mix that word with faith in your heart by speaking it, taking possession of it. That belongs to me. That is my promise. I am the healed of the Lord. Why are you the healed of the Lord? You don't feel healed. You don't look healed. I'm not healed because I feel healed or look healed. I'm healed because the word says by his stripes I was healed. So I am. Amen. That stand is the position where victory is being delivered. Praise God. Glory to God. Look at me getting you out of here before 8 o'clock. Stand on your feet tonight. <laughs> Just an announcement. FBIMA, uh, pastor is not able as he anticipated to get here in time tomorrow because he does have to stay and teach in the other class. He was not able to get things for the other class to be covered. So um, you will have your instructors ready and able to deliver the word to you in class. But I just wanted to announce that. But he will be with us on Wednesday. We'll be together here on Wednesday night having a great time of celebration before we have Happy Turkey Day. And we give thanks to the Lord for all that he's done for us. Amen. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word that always puts us over. <laughs> Lord, as we stand on your word, we receive every good and perfect gift that comes from you. And Lord, as we walk in your word, I ask you to cause us to experience a greater skillfulness in the word, in the doing of the word, in the receiving of the word, and in the standing on the word. In Jesus' name, amen.